And hello, hello, hello to all my wonderful partners and family. And you are family because we're together every day, a lot of us. And thank you for joining me today. I want to minister on a very important word to you today. The fields are white unto harvest. I want to show you how to win your loved ones, how to win your friends, how to witness to them, how to approach them in this beautiful time today when I'm going to begin this teaching. I'll be uh, continuing it this week. But I want to start with talking about how important God views this, that souls will be one and come to the cross. And Lord, I thank you for what you're about to show us through your word. Oh, blessed Holy Spirit, anoint us, I pray today, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you will reveal your word to our hearts in a powerful way. In Jesus' wonderful name and God's people said, Amen and Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 22. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? But then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, in verse 21, God makes it very clear. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. So we have to ask, what is the will of the Father? that we would not be rejected on that day. And we have the answer in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Go with me, please, and look at verse 3 and verse 4, because this is the greatest desire of the heart of God. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved, and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So here we have it, a very clear answer. What is the will of God for you and I to win the lost? We need to tell people about Jesus. We need to preach the gospel to each one of them. Loved ones, friends, neighbors, and the time is short right now. We have much to do. I want God to bless you. I want God to favor you. I want God to accept you. And we all have a responsibility before him. The greatest privilege we have is that we tell people about the Lord. Jesus said, greater than these shall ye do, because I go unto the Father. And I've even myself have asked, what is greater than what Jesus did when he walked on earth? What is greater than raising the dead? What is greater than healing the sick, cleansing lepers, calming the storm? The Son of God could not do one thing. Think about it. 
God Almighty in the flesh who can calm the sea, cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, raise the dead. There was one thing Jesus could not do. He could not be his own witness. He could not say, look at me. Once I was lost, now I'm found. Look at me, a sinner saved by the grace of God. Look at me, once I was blind and now I see. He could not testify of what the blood did for him because the blood was not shed for him. It was shed for you and me. So the greatest privilege we have is to tell someone about Jesus. The greatest responsibility we have is to tell someone about Jesus. The heart of God, we have to understand his heart. In, in Ezekiel 33, let's go to Ezekiel. It shows you the heart of God beautifully in this portion. Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. And you know, those of us who love the Lord, love souls. We have a burden for the lost like he does. Say unto them, I'm reading verse 11 of Ezekiel 33. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his from his way and live. That is God's cry. He says, I have no pleasure when the wicked dies. I have no pleasure when the sinner dies. And then he, he cries to Israel. He says, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? What a cry from the Lord's loving heart. Why do you want to die, O house of Israel? I want you to live. I'm offering you life. And God is offering it to your neighbors, to your loved ones, to your friends. Let's look also one, one more time at Ezekiel 18 now. Ezekiel chapter 18. And let's look at verse 23. You know, I know you probably heard that before, but it's so good to be reminded that we need to get the gospel out. Every one of us. We're all called. I'll show it to you in the Bible. You are called too, like anyone else. So in Ezekiel 18, verse 23, have I any pleasure, God says, do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? That's God's will. He wants everyone to turn from their sins and live. Verse 30, therefore will I judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity will not be your ruin. Sin destroys people, and God doesn't want to see them destroyed. He said, cast away. Watch this, cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed. Make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? What a cry of love here. I have no pleasure, he said again, this is Ezekiel 18, 32. I have no pleasure 
in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. The greatest privilege you and I have is to tell someone about Jesus, to preach the gospel and the love of God to all the people that we know. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 and verse 9. Paul says to Timothy, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. The testimony of the Lord is the gospel. Nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. So don't be ashamed to preach the gospel he's saying to Timothy. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, meaning himself, Paul in prison, a prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. They may mock you, yes. They may persecute you, yes. What an honor. Because when we do the will of God, we will be accepted on that day. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and refuse to obey me. The only one that will be accepted, he said, is the one who does the will of my Father. And the will of the Father clearly states in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, God is not willing that any should perish. He wants everyone to be saved. And he gave us the privilege to tell him and has called us. Verse 9 says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. You and me, we have a mighty holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Think about that. God had planned that for us, that we would share the gospel before the world began. Dear Franklin Graham, who I honor and love very dearly, spent some time with me years ago in the Carolinas. And he gave me some advice that he had heard from his own dad. He said, you know, he said, you have crusades and you pray for the sick. He said, but the greatest thing you can do, Benny, is win the lost. He said, if you focus on souls, God will focus on you. And then he said something profound to me. He said, do you notice that the evangelists that have fallen and gone were people in the healing ministry? I said, yeah, you're right. He said, isn't it amazing that those who preached the gospel are still here? Even those who had a healing ministry but focused on the lost, focused on souls, are still around. I said, absolutely, you're right. He said, and those who are in heaven now, and those who focused on the gospel, finished well, didn't they? I said, yes, they did. How true, if you look at church history, everyone who focused on winning the lost, finished well. And everyone who did not, did not finish well the healing evangelists of the past, and there were many of them back in the 70s who did not finish well because they focused on healing. 
They did not focus on the salvation of the lost. And that's when I made my decision that in every service I would preach the gospel first and then pray for the sick. In every crusade I ever had and still have today, I focus first on souls. I give them the gospel. And then after thousands come down the aisle and receive Jesus, then I pray for the sick after that. That's why I think I'm still here. You know, I could have been gone, gone a long time ago, like others before me. But I think God gave me longevity for one reason. I never forgot what Franklin Graham told me. And I said, this is God, and I will do it. And then I thought about Catherine Kuhlman and Otto Roberts and Rex Humbard and how they focused on the lost. Catherine never, ever, ever forgot why God called her. He called her first to preach the gospel, to bring souls to the cross. Many miracles took place in her meetings, but the greatest miracle, she would say, is the salvation of the lost. I heard her say many times, the richest man is poor without Jesus, and the poorest man is rich with Jesus. Rex Humbard would come to our crusades and Every morning he would take the platform and give the altar call after he would share the message of salvation. Oh, how precious it is to see souls one to the Lord. And God has called you to win loved ones and friends. But let's just keep going here for a little while longer, showing you the word of God about this. Let's look at Isaiah. The book of Isaiah chapter 42 and let's look at verse 4 what a beautiful verse he shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment or justice in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law meaning the nations are waiting for the gospel and today more than ever the cry out there for the gospel is incredible incredible people are afraid People are confused. People wonder about the future, what's going to happen. This is the time to get the gospel to them. And the greatest way we can do it is one-on-one. -on -one. When you and millions like you share the gospel with your family, with your neighbors, with your friends. Now, God also says in Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 20, Make sure to write all these down because I am praying that I, as, as I'm ministering the word, that God will revive that burden in your heart, that God will rekindle the love of souls within each one of us. Blessed, this is Isaiah 32, 20. Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters. God calls you blessed when you preach the gospel. Now, let me, let me give you some amazing uh, wisdom here and guidance. Proverbs 11 and verse 30 tells us this. It says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. In other words, we need wisdom. We need wisdom to win the lost. What does it mean, wisdom? Well, we have to wait till God opens the door. 
example, in, in, in the book of Acts, when Paul was in Macedonia, in Acts 16, he was in prison. And they put him in prison for casting out a demon. And now he's in prison, chained. And he and Silas begin to praise the Lord. Now as they're praising the Lord, the jailer heard the praise. The jailer heard them exalt the Lord. So he heard the name of Jesus through their praise. The earthquake now comes and hits the prison where they were. It shook. Their chains are loosed miraculously. He comes running and says, what must I do to be saved? It was a perfect door now to tell of the gospel. Paul waited for the right moment. And through that man, and through that divine moment, Macedonia heard the gospel later. And we see the church in Macedonia growing so rapidly and becoming so pure, as Paul talks about them in 2 Corinthians 8, that they became lovers of the Lord and they became humble and they had a great witness. It began with one man because Paul wanted to go to the East and the Holy Spirit said, not yet. And now he has a dream and he sees a man says, come help us. He's in that prison. He knows God sent him. A door will open. But the door did not open till praise began from his lips and Silas's lips. And then the earthquake happened. And then the jailer heard them praising the Lord. And then he knew, he knew that the God that they serve released them. How amazing. How about when he was on the ship? Remember when uh, the storm came and Paul was on his way to Rome and now they had to stop in Malta? Over 200 people were on that ship with him. And God spoke through the angel and said, I'm going to give you all of them. In other words, they're going to all hear the gospel and accept it. But we don't hear him preaching the gospel to them on the ship. It happened in Malta. After they had seen his life and seen his faith and seen his courage. And now he's in Malta. And the power of God heals people, beginning with Publius and his father. What an amazing door God gave him when God healed that one man. And now the whole island came to hear the gospel and to be healed. And all the people on the ship heard the gospel. And God said, I will give them also. In other words, they're all yours. I'm going to open the way so they can hear the gospel and receive it. What an amazing, amazing thing he did, God did. But Paul understood wisdom. Wait for the moment. Now, I'm going to give you some, you know, details maybe tomorrow on how to approach people, what to look for, how to begin a conversation with your loved ones or your friends, neighbors. But it's, it's, it's important that you understand sometimes we lose the moment 
because we're not wise. We haven't waited for God to open the way for us. Daniel 12, verse 3, it says this, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and forever. This is not only a great promise that God will honor those who use wisdom winning the lost, but it says they that are wise shine. They, there's something about them. They shine with a brightness. In other words, you know, people see that in those who love Jesus. Sometimes you have to wait for them to ask you, what is that about you? Why are you the way you are? Why don't you enjoy the movies we enjoy? Why don't you enjoy such and such? And then it gives you a door. Let them see the light of Jesus in you first. Sometimes that's the best way to reach them. Do you remember the eunuch? He's sitting on his chariot reading Isaiah 53. And now he's questioning, who is it talking about? And the Holy Spirit sent Philip by translating him into that location to answer that man's question because a door had just opened. He was already wondering, who is it talking about? Even God waited for the moment to open. You know, God could have revealed the gospel to that man when, when he was in the temple. It wasn't the right moment. He's reading Isaiah, and now a question arises in him. Who's that? Who, who's he talking about? Is he talk, talking about himself? And it gave God the moment right there to come through Philip and give him the gospel. And the whole nation heard the gospel later. His nation, the Ethiopian eunuch. Hallelujah. So it's very important that you and I understand this. And like I said, I'm going to give you more on this. But let's go to John 4, 35. And then I'm going to pray with you. Because I'm pray that, that God will use you. Say not ye there are yet four months, and then comes harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white or ready to harvest. So the Bible tells us very, very clearly, when you see the harvest ready, when, when you see the need out there, so Jesus said, Lift your eyes, look on the fields, look at the conditions, look at what's going on around you. Dear Lord, imagine how white they must be today. If the fields were white then, 2,000 years ago, imagine how white they are now. People are crying out for answers, someone to give them peace. Some, you know, sometimes God Almighty allows these things to happen, to give you and I that divine moment to Spread the word. And finally, Luke 12. And then I'm going to continue tomorrow, so make sure to join me, please, tomorrow, because I have some amazing things to show you. Luke 12 and verse 48. Like I told you, every one of you is called. Every one of us is called. The last part of that, of that verse says, To whom men have committed much, of him they will ask, more.
In other words, to whom much is given, much is required. And finally, I'm going to give you one more verse. I didn't think I'd have the time, but I do, so do it now. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the promise that anyone who calls will receive salvation. How then shall they call on him in, in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? In other words, the promise is already out. Anyone who calls will be saved. But how can they call unless someone tells them? Unless they hear the message and they believe the gospel. So frankly, no one can call upon the name of the Lord unless someone first will tell them that Jesus loves them that Jesus died for them, that Jesus rose from the dead. I'm going to continue with you tomorrow, and I'm going to share some amazing tips. I'm going to show you how to begin a, a conversation with them. Lord, you said in your word, we're all called with a holy calling. Now, wonderful Jesus, we want to finish well. We want to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you said to us in Matthew 7, if we do the will of the Father, we will be accepted on that day. Thank you, Lord. And now I pray use every single one listening today, every single one watching in Jesus' name. And Lord, use us to share the gospel with our loved ones, with our neighbors, with our friends. In Jesus' mighty name, and even beyond our friends, with people we meet, when the door opens, Lord, we see it open, and then we can tell them about you. We give you the praise. Anoint each one for that in these last days, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, it's time to give to the Lord's work. You know, giving is a tremendous, tremendous key to the blessings of God financially and to security financially in the future. I've shared this with you many times. The Bible says, I've not seen the righteous forsaken or received begging for bread. But we have to sow seed. We have to understand what the Bible says to us. So in, in, in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 2, it, it says, Sow a portion of seven, also of eight, for thou knowest not what evil will come on the earth. In other words, when you sow seed, it protects the future. It protects your family. It protects your job. It protects you from having any lack or any problem financially. God will never fail you. God is true to his word. You are in covenant with him and he's in covenant with you. He will never, ever fail you. That is guaranteed. That is his promise. And we can trust him. All we have to do, though, is we have to give. Now, sometimes it's hard to give when there is trouble financially, when we are lacking and we think, well, I need to pay my bills. Well, God understands that. But if you just give whatever you can to the Lord, God will bless it. God will multiply it and bless you. 
if you will pay his bills, he'll pay yours. I heard that advice many years ago from my father-in-law, Roy Allen. He said, when you pay God's bills, he'll pay your bills. Okay, you can sew right now on the platform you're watching me on, Benihim Ministries, or you can go to benihim.org, or you can text BHM45777. Much love. Thank you for being my wonderful partner and friend. I'll see you tomorrow.